0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 120 of the podcast. Today is Monday, December 24th, Christmas Eve, and I am in the heart of New York City, 39th Street and Madison. I don't know if most people consider that the heart or not, but right now it is because I've got a full Guinness and my trusty co-host is sitting across from me with a refreshing harp lager. From the Emerald Isle, let me introduce, in the flesh, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, Merry Christmas, my friend. How you feeling on this fine Christmas Eve here in
1: Manhattan, New York? Merry Christmas, Bill. I am excited, man. Uh, I'm glad you're visiting. I'm glad we were able to get together. And I'm glad I was able to get some shepherd's pie, dude.
0: Yeah, you can always trust uh, trust some Irish restaurants for very... Consistent staples such as Guinness and Shepherd's Pie, amongst other things. What you can't trust is John Jones taking a drug test because, as we speak, the UFC staff is frantically trying to move UFC 232 from Las Vegas to the forum in Inglewood, California, even though they're calling it LA. On six days' notice, they're moving an entire UFC pay per view. This is something that's very unprecedented, never happened before, probably in the history of any major sporting events. As a former event uh, planning person, I, in my PR roles in the past, I, I had to be involved in some event planning. I can only imagine taking a, a major venue and moving it to a different state, and all the flights that have to be changed, and all the hotels that have to be booked, and all the Graphic design that has to be done because John Jones tested positive for trace amounts of the metabolite torinobol, which is what he tested positive for and was cleared for by USADA over the past year and a half or so. Apparently, he still had a trace amount in it. And Nevada would not sanction him to fight so the UFC decided we have to move the entire card somewhere that will sanction the fight which funnily enough is California which is a much more strict athletic commission than Las Vegas so the UFC is standing behind John Jones the hardcore fans are pissed off and casual fans will never know the difference because they're gonna buy the pay-per-view regardless they don't care where this is going on Jeff what was your reaction when you first heard the news of John Jones and the relocation of this entire pay per
1: view card. Dude, I think this is the perfect recipe for a disaster, man. And listen, John Jones is a great fighter. I love watching him perform. But, Bill, how many times is this guy going to be allowed to fuck up before somebody says, you know what, I don't know if we can trust him anymore? I mean, the UFC literally is moving heaven and earth for John Jones because he screwed up.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't even wrap my head around how much work must go into moving an event like this to an entire entirely different state on 6 days notice. I haven't heard any reaction from Alexander Gustafson yet. I would imagine he's the kind of guy that's just like, "Okay, you know, tell me where my hotel is." Uh, I'm cutting weight, and he's probably going to show up and perform exactly the same because that's the kind of warrior he is. But the other 20-something fighters on the card are definitely going to be affected by this. I would be interested to see how this is going to affect the odds in Las Vegas, not only for the main event but for the entire card. I imagine this shift is going to affect some fighters more than other. I mean, you have BJ Penn on this card who's like 85 now. So <laughs> if you have to move him around... Uh, (laughs) He might not make it to the octagon (laughs) He he, he very well could miss it I mean, and if Cyborg tries to ride a shopping cart from Las Vegas to LA (laughs) You know, we all saw the video uh, floating around Twitter a couple weeks ago Of her jumping out of a shopping cart and landing on her shoulder And there was a rumor that she was pulling out But I don't think she is Um, How do you think this move will affect the main event on down? But let's focus on the main event for now
1: Dude, um, the main event, if Jones, you know, makes weight and everything and there's no more hiccups, I think the main event's going to be awesome. Like you said, Gus, he's a pretty mellowed out guy. I feel like it's not going to affect him psychologically. I think psychologically, he's improved a lot. I think he was a little too excited the first time he fought Jones. But now, in his interviews, he seemed really relaxed. But, Bill, I mean, going back to just the hotel thing that you're talking about, dude... It's the week of Christmas and New Year's. I mean, those hotels might be completely booked up, dude. Um, I know a lot of people like to get out of the cold, especially here in the East Coast. Uh, We've been blessed this year that it's not too cold. But, you know, in the past, we've gotten some major snowstorms around Christmas time. And, you know, people want to get out of that. So those hotels might be booked. And like you said, man, airfare. I don't know if the UFC... I know that they, they'll they probably be able to do it for the fighters and staff, but then you have the fans, man. I mean, a lot of those fans want refunds, dude. Um, a lot of those fans made plans specifically to be in Vegas this week. So this just is a whole, uh, logistically, it's presenting a whole mountain of problems.
0: Yeah, it's a shit show for real. And I'm sure they're going to take care of some of the main card fighters, and I'm sure Dana White will have a nice hotel room in in la um but you gotta wonder where like brian kelleher is staying this weekend <laughs> that's when, and jeff almost spit out his beer as i said that uh, <laughs> i don't know why it's so funny but that's a name that popped into my head like he's gonna be staying at a holiday inn express somewhere like 50 Maybe it miles <laughs> it It's going to be a long Uber ride to the weigh-ins for Brian Kelleher, I feel like. Um, I would be interested to hear some of these stories. And, yeah, it it sucks for the fans because people, you know, they they take their vacation. They're traveling during the holidays. So it's not cheap to fly anywhere this time of year. I, I know that because I'm in New York right now, and I had to pay to fly here. And if the reason I came here wasn't here, that would be really frustrating. So I can definitely... You know, sympathize with a lot of these fans. I think you're right about Alexander Gustafson. I mean his his biggest criticism of his whole career is how he shows up all the time except during title fights. I mean, he came up short against John Jones, came up short against Daniel Cormier in uh, his two past light heavyweight uh, contender fights. And it, you know, you, you gotta wonder what's gonna happen here. You also have to wonder what kind of shape John Jones is in. We've seen pictures of him looking really thinned out, but you know, apparently he's still got traces of. Of uh, estrogen blockers that suggest that he's cycled off of steroids. Um, so this is a this is a big mess. I, but I I think overall, it's not going to hurt the UFC um, because it's really only you know that fifteen percent or less of hardcore fans uh, that's really upset about all this, plus all the people who you know paid for flights to go out to Las Vegas and everything like that. Casual fans who are just planning to buy the pay per view anyway or purchase it that night um, it's not going to make a difference to them I, I'm wondering like with all the extra money spent on hotels and flights and everything to rebook this is the UFC going to make enough money back on this to make it worth it because Jon Jones hasn't proven to be the biggest pay-per-view draw the biggest draws of his career have been his fights against Daniel Cormier and that's because of the rivalry which even though they've tried I don't think it's really there against Alexander Gustafson um, I, I've gone back and rewatched the first time john jones and alexander gustafson fought and i know you have too jeff and uh i really feel like the the broadcasters overhyped the takedowns by gustafson he didn't really do much with them uh i saw john jones clearly winning three rounds possibly four um I, i could definitely i i scored it uh 49 to 47 for jones if i'm doing the math right in my head that that would be four
1: rounds to one um how did you see that one going jeff you know, Bill, um, my initial reaction to the fight, and I've only ever watched it once when it was live um, up until this week. And my initial reaction was that I had it for Gus, um, mostly because he was able to defend the takedowns really well, as well as land his own takedowns on John Jones, who, as you recall, even DC couldn't take him down. And DC is an Olympic level wrestler. But this week I rewatched it and. To much of my chagrin, Bill, I think you're right. I think that uh, I think that the takedowns were a little overhyped. Um, I I scored a little bit differently. I scored at 48, 47. If I'm not mistaken, 48, 47 for Jones. Um, but yeah, I definitely gave rounds one, two, and five to John Jones. Some could argue. I could see an argument for for round three going to Jones as well. Uh, the only round that I could give. With complete authority to Gus in that first fight was the fourth round but uh, other than that I felt like John Jones was able to deal really well with Gus's height Um, he did get clipped in the first round but after that um, he was using his Muay Thai more throwing knees throwing leg kicks using the elbows to get inside Gus and Gus just did not have any answers for him for
0: sure. Sometimes she grins, sometimes she frowns. Am I right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, that first fight also, you know, I think John Jones really underestimated Alexander Gustafson. He didn't expect the challenge that was put in front of him that night. And uh, it, it seems like he's training much more seriously for him this time. He even declined fighting him in November because he said he hadn't had a proper training camp. So that suggests that he's really prepared well. Uh, I don't want to, you know waste too much time talking about this main event because there's still six days for this to even fall apart on the ufc uh which would be you know ironic and really awful for them but probably hilarious for us uh let's move on to the co-main event we have the women's bantamweight champion amanda nunez stepping up and wait to challenge the woman nobody wants to fight uh who's basically in a division by herself she's only fought other bantamweights who have moved up and wait to challenge her and that's of course cyborg Um, So what are your thoughts on this co-main
1: event, Jeff? Dude, I think Cyborg's really, really well-rounded. Her ground game is pretty vicious, especially when it comes to the ground and pound. Um, Very solid on the feet. And um, I think it's going to come down to simply cardio. I think that these women really match up really well because Amanda Nunez, we've seen her become more of a technical striker in her last couple of title defenses. She's not just winging shots anymore. She's picking people apart. And... Honestly, I, I'm really intrigued by this matchup. I think it's going to come down to cardio. I think that stylistically, they match up really, really well against each other.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Amanda Nunez's cardio improves uh, moving up in weight. And, you know, maybe she'll be a little bit more filled out. But she's definitely not going to be as big as Cyborg, who walks around, you know, close to 190, I believe, uh, when she's out of competition. So. Um, you know, it's hard to see a scenario where Amanda Nunez wins this fight, but you definitely can't counter out. She definitely has the heart of a champion. Um, so let's move on down the card. Carlos Condit and Michael Chiesa. So Michael Chiesa moving up to welterweight after he's had some struggles and, you know, took a dolly to the face at lightweight. He decided he didn't want to deal with that anymore. Uh, Carlos Condit just hasn't been himself really since the Robbie Lawler fight. He even retired for a short period and came back and uh you know he had that performance against Damian Maya which lasted about 39 seconds when he got scorched and and choked out uh immediately that was like an old school hoist Gracie performance by Damian Maya and then he had um you know kind of a lackluster Carlos Condit performance against Neil Magny uh how do you think he does against Michael Chiesa moving up and weight here
1: dude it's such a toss-up man but um Bill, something that a lot of great fighters and people who are really masters of their craft do is they take time off, you know. They, they take time to not think about their sport or their um, game. And sometimes they come back really strong, Bill. So, honestly, it's, it's such a toss-up. Carlos Condit could come back, maybe refine himself, and just annihilate Michael Chiesa. Or, on the other hand, he could still be in that same state of mind and, you know, Kessa could outclass him. So it, it, we got to see which Carlos Condit shows up. But I think uh, Michael Kessa is ready to give him a war. I think that he struggled a little bit. I always felt like he was a little big for 155. So to see him filled out a little bit more, see him not struggle with that weight cut, I think it's going to be a really big factor. I'm really excited for this one. I couldn't tell you who's going to win, but I think it's really going to be a war
0: yeah and uh you know we haven't seen the best Michael Chiesa in a long time probably since he submitted Benil Darius um you know before that he was submitted by Anthony Pettis and a fight that he largely controlled in the first round but then he seemed to gas out uh in the second round when Pettis submitted him and then before that was the controversial fight with Kevin Lee uh, so we'll see which Michael Chiesa we get tomorrow night, too, but either way, I'm excited for that one. All right, Jeff, I'm going to rifle through three of the next fights on the card here. You tell me which one you're most excited for. We have the light heavyweights, Corey Anderson and Alexander Gustafson's teammate, Alir Latifi. Uh, that That should be a, a banger of a fight there, and then we have the featherweights chad mendez and alexander volkanovsky and we got heavyweights andre Orlovsky, who does not want to retire it seems like and you know up and comer walt harris which one of
1: those three are you looking forward to the most? i'm gonna have to give it to chad mendez dude um i feel like it's been a while since his last fight he's cleared to fight now his suspension's over he looked great in that last uh, timeout and now that he's got a full camp um, now that he's fo- focused on training again, I think he's ready to tear up this 145-pound division, um, who the champion is, I believe, Max Holloway. So I think it's a little bottlenecked up at the top, but i love to see Chad Mendez in there, and I'd love to see him throw his hat in the ring as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. We have a, a featherweight division that uh, we don't really know the future of the champ because you know Max Holloway may move up in weight. Um, you know, Frankie Edgar's always in the wings there. So I could definitely see the winner of this fight challenging for the title. Not so much if it's Volkanovski just because he doesn't have the name recognition right now. And Max Holloway's, you know, such a hot topic right now, especially coming off that dominant performance, uh, Brian Ortega, um, the late heavyweight competition could be good um you know two high level wrestlers in in latifi and cory anderson that'll probably be a stand-up war there um let's move on to the females so Kat Zangano also moving up in weight to challenge megan anderson who um you know a lot of people who followed invicta closely thought megan could have been the one person to challenge cyborg we found that to not be true Um, You know, there's just different levels uh, to this sport, Um, especially with the females. There's a lot of development left to be done. When we had Colleen Schneider uh, on the podcast, uh, I think it was two years ago now, she had said that she feels like the female MMA is about five years behind the talent pool of the males. And, uh, you know, that seems to be pretty true. As of late, um, you, you know, there's just there's just such stark differences between championship level in the ufc and the competitors but you know kat zingano is a seasoned fighter megan anderson's a seasoned fighter how do you see this one going
1: down dude i think that if kat zingano can get her wrestling going which is very very strong we've seen her beat amanda nunez with her grappling and um you know we know that megan Anderson the last time out she was lacking in that department so unless megan anderson is prepared for this grappling uh i can see this one going for katsangano and her putting her name as a as a contender for cyborg which i think would be an awesome fight you know potentially in the future down the line somewhere
0: for sure the danger of taking megan anderson down is she's got those long limbs and she's got a pretty active guard um which she didn't really display against cyborg um but you know, I, I always worry about those. Uh, <laughs> and this is my daughter making her debut on MMA on the Rocks, if you hear those little uh, croaking noises in the background. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so those long legs of Megan Anderson could be trouble if she's figured out a way to, you know, come up with a strong guard against a wrestler like Kat Singano. Um The last fight I really want to touch on, actually two more, So Uriah Hall is going to be taking on the undefeated B. Lewis. And, you know, Uriah Hall is a guy, you know, if you're looking to build somebody up against him, he's probably not the guy to do it with because he likes to play spoiler a lot of times. Uh, What are your thoughts on this matchup?
1: Yeah, dude, I don't know if uh, this is a good idea on uh, whoever's planning these fights, man. Uriah Hall, we've seen him land some highlight finishes, dude uh i don't know if this is a good fight for a young up-and-comer who's undefeated um you know i don't know too much about this guy um but uriah hall has proven that even on the ground he can punch his way out of some sticky situations so uh i don't know man i don't think it's a good idea for a young undefeated fighter to take on uriah hall
0: yeah for sure so a little more background on Bivon lewis he uh he appeared twice on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. So he had a TKO. I guess it wasn't enough to get the contract. They only give out one or two or five or whatever Dana White feels like that night. Uh, and then he went and had another fight in the LFA and then came back on the Tuesday Night Contender Series and had another TKO victory, which I guess was enough to get him the contract. He's only 6-0, and so not very experienced. But he's a big middleweight, six three, and he's coming out of uh, Greg Jackson's camp. So a uh, good camp, but it's, I think it's going to be... A really tough test in a guy like Uriah Hall, uh, who, like I said, is known to play the spoiler. So the last fight I want to touch on, Jeff, I don't know how to feel about this one, because the last time we saw BJ Penn, uh, you know, it's it's just been heartbreaking. The guy hasn't won a fight in, I think, eight years. Uh, so, like, the same amount of time as Chuck Liddell... Uh <laughs> but the sadder thing about BJ Penn is that he actually was fighting over those 8 years and still couldn't win a fight. He's going to be taking on Jiu-Jitsu phenom Ryan Hall, ultimate fighter winner. Um BJ Penn, you know when he first came on the scene, known for outstanding takedown defense and really slick Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but you know maybe the game's passed him by too much uh if he still has that one punch knockout power though that could be a big trouble for Ryan Hall if he decides to stand with him and he may not be able to take BJ Penn down um but that might be the nostalgia in me speaking that wants to see the BJ Penn of old uh come through but I I don't have too much faith in that happening what
1: are your thoughts on this matchup dude Ryan Hall hasn't competed in a long time I wasn't he uh like team alpha mills jujitsu coach for a while
0: I am not sure. I know he uh, he made his way around. I know he was training in the D.C. area for a while. Um, I know he has his own gym, uh, 50-50 jiu-jitsu. Um, he's done a lot of training with Kenny Florian, and Kenny Florian is actually going to be cornering, cornering him in this fight. Of course, Kenny Florian has fought B.J. Penn for the featherweight uh, championship, you know, ages and ages ago, and Kenny Florian has since retired and, you know, had a great career as a broadcaster ever since but um yeah you know Ryan Hall's one of these guys I guess he only gets off the couch for matchups that really interest him so Mm -hmm. I guess he's really interested in fighting a legend like BJ Penn and putting that on his resume um but yeah it's kind of a weird matchup and it, it it's always heartbreaking to see these guys you know if they don't perform you know the way you're used to seeing them you know BJ Penn I remember was like a wrecking machine when he first came on the scene and you know three different week classes and you know two division champion uh, like one of the first to do that Um, but you know shit happens you know sometimes guys test positive and and you gotta move an entire event across state lines Uh, (laughs) so we kept this one short Um, I guess we'll We'll get back to our, our Guinness and,
1: and Harp here. Anything else you want to get off your chest or wish the people happy holidays here? Yeah, dude, I think this card, if it works out, is going to be phenomenal. You know, but my that's what my heart wants, Bill, but my head thinks it might be a disaster. But who knows? Uh, the UFC is full of surprises. But anyway, guys, uh, we'll be waiting, sipping on beer until then. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year if we don't get to do an episode. And... Um, that's all i got for you bill all right well
0: hopefully this recording worked out and yeah we'll get back to our guinnesses here i don't know when i'll have a chance to post this one either since obviously it's christmas eve and that makes tomorrow christmas so merry christmas to everybody who celebrates and if you don't uh you can have a merry christmas too Uh (laughs) all right so until next time whenever that is cheers everybody goodbye